this feeling once you leave where you're from that you don't totally belong there again. Il faut être des champions. Il faut travailler à l'école. Il faut être plus fort que les autres. Et on ne pleure pas. A father and daughter, a mother and her two sons and an absent brother. This week's film show has every member of the family covered. And for that, I'm joined by film critic Ben Kroll. Hi, Ben. Hello. Now, well, our first new release takes us back to the 1990s. Charlotte Wells' After Sun was a breakout hit at last year's uh, Cannes Film Festival. It won the Grand Prix at the Deauville Festival. And Paul Mescal was recently nominated for an Academy Award for his performance in that one. Tell us, what makes this uh, breezy film shine? Well, the easiest answer would be time. After Sun is a quiet, slow burn of a film. It sneaks up on you in subtle ways. It plays a lot of its cards close to the vest, then it kind of lingers in your memories and in your mind long after the credits have rolled. Uh, actors Paul Mescal and Frankie Corio play a father and daughter on holiday in a kind of a cheapo Turkish resort in the 1990s. Uh, she's named Sophie. She's about 11 years old, and he's Callum, roughly 20 years older, but still young enough to be recognized as her brother or to be mistaken for her brother. Um, nothing really happens like on paper, you know, they go snorkeling, uh, they dance the Macarena and she feels the first pangs of adolescence. But the entire film is told from the perspective of a much older adult Sophie. And, and she experiences this rush of memories with a really bittersweet tinge. It's a, a bittersweet feeling that actually grows more sorrowful as the film goes on, which lends an additional level of intrigue. Why don't we take a look? You know, I want you to know that you can talk to me about anything as you get older, you know? Done it all and you can too. <laughs> Wish we could have stayed for longer. Me too. So as I said, Irish actor Paul Mescal got an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor for that performance. He's having quite a moment right now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, no, it's his time in the sun, I mm. guess you could say. He was uh, revealed to the world, in more ways than one, in the uh, Sally Rooney uh, literary adaptation, Normal People, TV miniseries. And he's going to take over for Russell Crowe, stepping into the swords and sandals in the upcoming Gladiator sequel Big for sandals. director Ridley Scott. Interestingly, he steps kind of into the background in this Academy Award-nominated role because After Sun is is really the story of Sophie. It's told through her perspective and through her camcorder lens. Uh, it, interestingly, the film um, sees things that the young girl does not, notably the fact that her father is suffering from a very debilitating case of clinical depression. Uh, it's something that he tries to hide from his daughter, suffering in silence, uh, a little bit off-center. Mm, okay, well, that's something that uh, Paul Mescal and director Charlotte Wells spoke about when they sat down with France 24 at the Cannes Film Festival. Let's hear from them. The film isn't autobiographical in a strict sense, but yeah, it's absolutely inspired by my dad, who was mistaken for my brother, never minded, never corrected people very quickly. It seemed like a very fun starting point for, for a relationship and something I didn't really feel like I had seen, seen before. He's a man who is wrestling, I think, with being a young father in the world, being a good father trying to be a good person in the world, trying to achieve his own personal ambitions. But I think fundamentally he's uh, somebody who loves his daughter very much and finds it hard to love himself. 
As befitting a film about memories, After Sun takes an extremely show-don't-tell approach. It, it leaves a lot unsaid about um, the characters' pasts and, and futures uh, after this sad and sunny interlude uh, in Turkey. As a filmmaker, uh, Charlotte Wells speaks in poetry rather than prose, as she uses metaphor and symbolism to dance around this central heartbreak that really animates the film but never really happens on screen. As such, that could alienate viewers that want something a little bit more linear, but might delight uh, viewers looking for what I would call a, an art house sunburn. You don't notice the damage as it's happening, but it stays with you, singeing you for the days to come. Okay, unconventional but uh, atmospheric then. Well, we're staying with Family Dynamics and to another feature which was revealed at last year's Cannes Film Festival. This is from director Leonor Serai. It's called Mother and Son. Take a look. So Ben, tell us a bit more about this French film. Well, first of all, the title should be Mother and Sons because it is about a three-person family. Okay. Uh, the film follows a young Ivorian family that emigrate to France in the late 1980s. Uh, there's, the, the film was told in three chapters that follow each one a different member of the family. Um, the first chapter follows the young and uh, independent mother, a woman who takes life into her own hands, consequences be damned. The subsequent two chapters follow the sons that are somewhat damned by those consequences. Um, as such, the film is a bit of a victim of its own structure. That first chapter is electric. It's, it's unpredictable as it follows a woman who refuses to be boxed in. It turns the kind of immigration drama on its head. It's less about family responsibility or assimilation than it is about the very interesting internal life of a, an independent young woman. But then the film becomes slightly more conventional as it follows these two sons whose lives and options are somewhat shaped by their unpredictable mother. Uh, you know, it becomes more of a standard coming-of-age immigration drama, somewhat to the film's detriment. Okay, well, speaking of that central actress, we spoke to Annabelle Longon about this breakout role. I was offered a role of a black woman who's an immigrant and a cleaning lady. So at first I thought to myself, I've seen this role that is somewhat cliché many times. However, what I liked about this role was the soul of this woman, a woman who came to France not to have a better life, but in order to choose her life. And the actress Annabelle Langron is really tremendous in the film. In a way, the film works more as a star-making role for her than as a fully satisfying family drama. OK, well, one to watch then. Well, Family Heartbreak lies at the centre of this week's second French release, the autobiographical drama For My Country, or Pour la France. Let's take a look. Madame Saïdi, toutes mes condoléances. Il faut que nous parlions des funérailles de votre fils. Souhaitez-vous une cérémonie militaire? Oui, c'est important pour lui. Faites-le nécessaire. Il est évident que la mort d'Aïssa aurait pu être évitée. C'est un bahutage, une transmission de tradition qui a mal tourné. L'affaire va être qualifiée en homicide involontaire. Aïssa vous a-t-il parlé de ses premières semaines à l'école militaire Il était épuisé. Il m'a parlé de réveil en pleine nuit. Uh, director Rashid Ami pulls from personal tragedy to tell the story of his own brother, an army cadet who drowned during a military hazing incident gone wrong. Um, that led to a big scandal in France that also led to a very frustrating legal acquittal. But this is not uh, an incendiary film. It's more mournful than polemic. Uh, director Ami 
slightly fictionalizes the story. He changes the characters' names, and he tells the narrative on two different uh, time frames. On the one hand, you find uh, this clan dealing with the aftermath of this in insane and, and, and unbelievable death uh, as they try to fight uh, the military bureaucracy to ensure a full military burial with honor, something that the army doesn't want to give because the young man died uh, during training and not actually on the field. So that's a bit of a tough thing. The other narrative track goes back in time and it follows in flashback the fraught relationship between these two brothers, here played by actors Karim Leclou and Shaheen Boumedin. Uh, as such, this kind of elegaic film is less about the death of this young man than about his life, the way that he built himself across three countries, um, shedding one identity, assuming another, and constructing a future that was ultimately snuffed out far too soon. Mm, sounds fascinating. I'll definitely check that one out. Well, we're wrapping up the show with a film that I must have I've already seen. It needs no introduction. James Cameron's Titanic <laughs> hits the big screen once again. I might ask why and why now? I think the simplest answer is because James Cameron wanted to, and uh, history has proved betting against Big Jim is a fool's errand. <laughs> uh, now, that being said, the film celebrated its 25th anniversary this past December. Uh, they might have wanted to save the re-release a couple of months because this past December saw the release of Cameron's most recent film, Avatar The Way of Water, which incidentally is just about to overtake Titanic as the number three most successful wow. film of all time. And so if you ask Cameron, he might say that he wanted to save this re-release of Titanic for a very special weekend. The weekend before Valentine's Day. Cool. It's his giant, bombastic love note to the world. So romantic. Well, is there anything new this time around? Well, there is. I mean, it's decked out with all the bells and whistles that made the most recent Avatar such a box office attraction. This is in 3D and high definition. Uh, it's got an up-to-date soundtrack and everything. But that's n none of those are the reasons why people are going to go back. And let's be honest, people are going to go back to see it again and again and again. The reason why is the same reason as it was 25 years ago. It's that central love story, the love story, the ballad of Jack and Rose. It was cheesy 25 years ago, but now it is like transcended cheese to become modern mythology and, and, and it's mythology that has cast its uh that has cast its pall over everyone including james cameron himself in the lead up to this re-release he recorded a one-hour national geographic documentary where he goes back to that night to remember he re 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 recreates the sinking of the titanic to check uh you know where his film might have gone right or why his film might have gone wrong and he tries to settle for good and all that eternal question that has animated debate for the past 25 years, could Jack have fit on that dang raft? And so? Spoiler alert, Leo probably could have lived. Wow, huge <laughs> news, huge but, news. But just goes to show you that Titanic is eternal, near, far, wherever <laughs> we are. Titanic will go on. In the and words on. of that great artist. Thank you very much for that movie roundup, Ben. We'll leave you with a reminder of that James Cameron classic. Do remember you can get more movie news on our website and our social media too. There's more news coming up on France 24 just after this. You never know what hand you're going to get dealt next. to take life as it comes at you. To make each day count. I'll never let go, Jack. I'll never let go.
France 24, more than ever before, is your window onto the world. Liberté, égalité, actualité.